listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Join with me, as always, it's Zeeshan. Yo. All right, man. So continuing with some of our traditions and what we do, especially closer to the, closer to the beginning of the season, or in this case, at the beginning of the season, we like to give break down our awards picks, our early awards picks for the season. Obviously, sometimes in some certain circumstances, we'll go back and revisit this topic and, you know, maybe make some adjustments. But usually we like to kind of give our early predictions on who we think are going to win each award given out for the NBA season. Yeah, and so usually, like you said, we um, we usually revisit these picks. Maybe at All-Star break, but usually um, at the end of the season when we're making our final p- picks for each award. And similar to when we do the preseason predictions for like records for the teams, this is basically based off of no data and no, no quantifiable, nothing qualitative. Basically, we just base this off of what we think is going to happen. And again... A lot of the times this goes completely wrong and these predictions are very far off just because we're not predicting this based off of anything. Especially for some particular awards, they're just so hard to predict. Like you just don't know what's going to happen until you watch it. But other awards are just very kind of predictable, kind of like black and white. So without wasting any time, we're going to jump right into the first award uh, that we want to talk about. And it's the Coach of the Year Award. This is one of those kind of tough to pick awards just because, again... It really depends on a few factors, record, uh, improvement, um, you know, overall, just like has he won the award in the past? Like that's really media bias, media bias. Like last year, freaking Tom Thibodeau won it because of the New York market. I still think that was a mistake. I'm going to I'm going to just keep saying that. But at least for this year, there are some some decent names, decent candidates, especially, you know, witnessing a bit of the start of the season. Uh, the first candidate we got to talk about is Billy Donovan, who is the coach of the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls, at the time of this recording, are currently undefeated at 4-0. And they've looked pretty impressive. Now, obviously, in the offseason, Artunas Cardinal-Sovet made a big uh, impact and really went out and got some big names. Got DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball to add to Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, Nikola Vucevic. And so far, man, the team is looking really good, especially offensively. This Bulls team looks very, very good. Like, they not only have the scoring of Levine... Scoring up DeRozan and the playmaking that Lonzo brings. Yeah, man. Like, they've looked very good offensively, I think, as most people expected with the amount of weapons they have. But they've also looked very good defensively up until, um, you know, they've been top 10 ranked defensively. Um, and that's probably the most surprising thing. Again, we were questioning. That was a big question, right? Yeah. Could they hold up defensively to keep up with their offense? And the thing is, with Billy Donovan, we know he's a defensive guy, right? He, he's really focused on that. And if in, even if you look at the eye test with the way they've been playing defense, aside from the statistics, which obviously, you know, corroborate that, but the eye test really shows you what a difference they've been defensively this year compared to last year. Where even last year, they were a good defensive team. But this year, they are really buying into Billy Donovan's system. They are really playing their heart out on defense. And that starts out with guys like Zach Levine, who notoriously has not been a good defender in the past, but who's been really trying to play some good defenses. And again, we saw hints of that in the Olympics with how Levine, when he doesn't have to carry the entire load offensively, 
he can actually lock up and play some defense. Now, my only concern with the Bulls is how is will this you know keep going for the full 82 games? And obviously, the postseason is a question mark still because Levine hasn't made it to the playoffs in his career. Neither has Lonzo. DeMar has made it to the playoffs, but he has a history of notoriously choking in the playoffs, let's be honest. Um, Vucevic has not been good in the playoffs. Vucevic has his own issues in the playoffs. Um, he still sees Marcus All's ghost, by the way. That, that was apparent. Every uh, single time he plays the Raptors, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Listen, it's, I saw it live funny. in person, and it's, it's still funny to this day. Shout out Marcus All. Um, but ultimately speaking, Billy Donovan, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Like, Artunius Conis always did his job. He brought these, like, you brought talent to this roster. And Billy Donovan is so far taking this team and really having a great start to the season so far. Again, his reputation is also pretty good around the league. He's you had know, a pretty had, good record, too. He has a good record. Um, you know, he was very good for the OKC Thunder up until basically the end when they started tanking. And uh, he and he, and he kind of left. He didn't want to be a part of that. Let's be real. And again, that's based off of his college success, right, at Florida. Mm-hmm. He was a great college coach. And so far, he's kind of carried that into the NBA. So Billy Donovan is definitely at the top of the list for our candidates for the coach of the year award the second candidate that we have has been in the re- league for a while now and is one of the longest tenured head coaches and surprisingly he's never won the award yeah and it's surprising though again we're talking about Eric Spolstra you know with the way the big three was structured would the media have given that award to him it's debatable but since since the big three broke we know Eric Spolstra for what he is and he's a very good coach he's an yeah. arguably top five coach in the NBA and again, that wasn't really as apparent with the big three just because they were the big three. But since LeBron left in particular, you know, Eric Spolster's been at the top of the league. He's had a massive amount of success. Every time we talk about the Miami Heat, we just talk about what a, like, you know, the culture that they have, just the grittiness, the hardworking, blue-collar mentality of even when they were not that good and their best player was like Dion Waiters, they still made things tough for every single team. You know, we remember that one game against the 2017 Warriors that they that they won, right? So that when was the Dion shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when Dion was going crazy for that one season. Great pose. Yeah, and um, so yeah, Eric Spolstra again. It starts off at the top with Pat Riley and what he does for the culture, but Eric Spolstra is a massive part of that. And like you said, he's never surprisingly won the award. And with the way the Miami Heat are structured this season and with the expectations that they have and the way they've been playing so far um, with Kyle Lowry added on to the rest of the court that they have, if Eric Spolster gets to that top three seed, which he most likely will, in my opinion, yeah. um, you know, he has a great case for being the coach of the year. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's he's one of those coaches that is just well-respected that we kind of expect him to be a good coach that like he's we wouldn't actually consider him for an award like this, but... Honestly speaking, like you said it, like he really embodies and really has instilled that heat culture in this team. They've consistently made it to the playoffs despite losing LeBron, D. Wade, obviously, and Bosh. And they made it to the playoffs with what they had. Now, obviously, getting more talent with Jimmy Butler, Lowry, and Bam Adebayo. They now have an even better chance at even going further. But ultimately, during the regular season, which is what this award is all about, the Heat are going to win a lot of games. And a lot of that credit should go to Eric Spolstra because... Again, it's the culture that he's cultivated and really helped establish over the years with this Miami and Heat And not team. to mention X's and O's wise, he's yeah. a very creative coach. You know, we talk about how... Inbound he, plays. Inbound plays, but also, you know, we remember um, in their final season, 
you know, the amount of zone they were running, they were running the most zone defense by far. And that was to make up for the lack of defenders that they had. <laughs> and for them to play as well as they did on defense, that's basically all the credit has to go to Eric Sposa for that yeah. defense. No, for sure. He's definitely one of those coaches that are is well-respected, but very underrated in, in most fans' eyes, especially. But finally, our last candidate for the Coach of the Year award, who... Personally speaking, I think he got snubbed last year. It's Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns. Monty Williams has done a fantastic job. Obviously, he had went through a lot of personal tragedy uh, in his life, you know, a few years ago. But he's bounced back tremendously, and he got the opportunity with Phoenix. And it's completely—he's really turned the organization around in terms Him of and James Jones. Shout out James Jones. Shout out James Jones. Yo, he's considering to sit on the right bench, um, but still, Monty Williams—he's really established. He's established that culture ever since the bubble. Uh, and going 8-0, then obviously the last season run to the finals. Um, you know, he's just really brought in a culture. He's given, like, obviously Chris Paul has definitely helped that, but really has given Devin Booker an established role, got these nice wing, young wing players, getting them shooting the three, playing defense for them. He's figured out how to use DeAndre Ayton, which has completely unlocked the offense. And again, defensively, this team is so solid. Like, I love some of their young players that they got. And... Again, a lot of credit has to go to Monty Williams. I really felt like he should have won it last year. Um, but again, this year, I for sure think he's going to be in the running. Well, again, he's very good on the court. Locker room-wise, he's one of the most respected voices yeah. in the league by Hands far. Down. Right? And just because the fact that, you know, we had him winning the Coach of the Year last year. And I think a lot of people, you know, wanted him to win that award. And just because of the fact that he hasn't won that award and he didn't get it last year... He has a very good case and a very good chance to win the award this year on top of, you know, obviously his credentials that he currently has. So I think to round out our, you know, Coach of the Year debate, our third candidate is going to be Monty Williams. So just to recap, we have Billy Donovan, Eric Spolstra, and Monty Williams for our three candidates for the Coach yeah. of the Year award. But ultimately, our prediction for this award, we are we're, our early prediction, we're predicting Billy Donovan to win this award, mainly because, again, Spolstra, I think... We think, obviously, because of the fact that how established he is, might not be able to get enough votes. Uh, Monty Williams, everyone loves him, but I don't... Will the Suns win enough games? Well, also, kind of like Eric Spolstra, he's basically established himself in the league. Yeah, Pretty much. And so, basically, Billy Donovan, uh, with the work he's done, obviously, with how the Bulls haven't made the playoffs in the last few years, so him getting them back, if, he, if they get back there, like that's definitely going to be... Uh, a lot of credit to Billy Donovan. Not to sure. mention it's a new roster, right? Yeah. So having a new roster and getting them to Quick be turnaround. as good as they want to be, if he can get to that point, then yeah, Billy Donovan is definitely a good candidate, I think. Yeah, for sure. Which brings us into the next award, and it is the Rookie of the Year Award. And I'm not going to lie, like, last year when we, did, when we did this, I couldn't care less about the Rookie of the Year Award, to, to be honest with you. It was pretty cut and dry. Uh, although, again, I still think Anthony Edwards got robbed. That's just my opinion. Um... But the rookie of the year, this year's rookie class, obviously stacked rookie class, a lot of big names. But I think we can't start this conversation, especially since we've seen the beginning of, a bit of the beginning of the season. The first candidate we've got to talk about is Jalen Green. Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets has been lighting it up, as we kind of all expected him to do out of the gate. He was probably the most NBA-ready out of the top three, four guys of the Aside draft. Aside from Cade. Aside from Cade, but again, Cade has, actually hasn't played a game yet, so we don't know uh, at the time of this recording. But in terms of just pure scoring at the NBA level, Jalen Green has it. He can shoot the three. He's got the mid-range. He can finish at the rim. Like, the guy can do it all. Now, the question for him really comes defensively, but again, I don't think Houston's really trying to be a defensive club. I think they're really trying to lean on that offense that well, they got. Well, 
in regards to rookies and defense, not many people care about that just because defense takes time to learn. I mean, unless you're the Raptors and then you just clutch out. Well, that's what separates the cultures, right? Um, But Jalen Green is a very obvious candidate in the sense that he is that top five pick who everyone loves, right? He's that flashy, highlight real guy. He plays on a huge market in Houston, right? Who has a lot of fans, Um, you know. Houston is probably going to be better than at least the next guy's team that we're going to talk about, right? Yeah. So Houston has that kind of, they have that image, they have that brand reputation, and Jalen Green kind of embodies that culture that they that they have, right? In terms of just him, like you said, being very good all around offensively. So I think um, in that aspect, I think Jalen Green definitely like he, has to be a candidate. He's already exploded, like I think like 30, like over 35 points or something like this. Like, he's, he's had some already big offensive showings for the Houston Rockets, and he's only, like, four or five games into his career, which is which should tell you all you need to know. Yeah. The next guy we're going to talk about is probably, you know, one of the most obvious candidates for this list. It's Cade Cunningham. I mean, right? number one pick. Number one pick. If you're talking about the most NBA-ready guy in terms of the IQ of where he's at, it's Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham right? Yeah. Um, he basically is the whole package. Um, for yeah. what you want from a franchise star. He can do literally everything on the court. Size, he can score shooting. at all three levels. He's, you know, we've seen now that point guards are seemingly getting bigger and bigger. Um, and he is another guy that is one of those bigger point guards. 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six kind of guys can score at all three levels. Probably the best playmaker in the draft. Yeah. Um, has already shown great defensive work as well. And, you know, Kate Cunningham, I think, we all know he's going to be great in the NBA. The only issue is right now, first of all, he hasn't played yet. Second of all, yeah. how good will the Detroit Pistons be? And third of all, when I'm talking about the teams, you know, does Detroit have the same market awareness or brand image as the Houston Rockets have? I don't think so. And that definitely does play a factor in some of these. Awards. And also the fact that he's not as flashy as Jalen Green. Yeah. Like, because again, Jalen Green is just all flash. Like He is the superstar type of guy. And Kate is kind of low-key and kind of... A bit more to himself, which is not a bad thing at all. Like we've seen Kawhi Leonard, for instance, and he's he's one of the best players in the world right now. But again, when you're talking about Kate Cunningham, he's a complete package. He's got size. He's, he's got the athleticism. He's got the jump shot, the handle, the playmaking, the IQ. Like he's he has it all. And I think again with rookies, it really doesn't matter about how much your team wins. It's really how you perform individually. And I think having that IQ, you know, he's not. I don't think he's gonna put up eye popping numbers, but I think. He's gonna be around the fourteen points a game, eight rebounds, seven assists, kind of, kind of, kind of line like that. Those triple double numbers, which well, is what teams are looking for. I think you just touched upon it, right? Like for rookies, the numbers I think are the main factor in the sense that the percentages nobody cares about percentages when you're a rookie, right? Yeah, they base it off of points per game. Who's gonna average more points per game is usually who wins the rookie of the year award, and in yeah. this case. Probably the highest score in the draft is, I would say, Jalen Green. It's probably going to be Jalen Green. Yeah. But the last candidate we do got to bring up, and a lot of you are going to say this is a homer pick, but who cares? Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes was the surprise pick in the draft because nobody expected the Raptors to... Including us. Including us. uh, Expected the Raptors to go and take Scotty Barnes with the fourth overall pick. But lo and behold, the Raptors did that. And honestly, besides like the first couple of minutes of shock and awe... Like at least us, we kind of really understood what the Raptors were trying to do, and clearly we can see at least so far in the regular season, they made the right choice. Like in terms of the whole pure fit on who they were looking for, Scotty is 
probably one of the best defenders in the draft. Uh, he's already NBA ready. He's already taking on big assignments and doing surprisingly well for for a rookie. Offensively, man, like he's he's a he's a playmaker, man. The guy knows. And first of all, he's got a great handle. Second of all, he's making NBA level reads in terms of just avoiding uh, taking taking a charging call or you know angling his body in ways and using the utilizing the glass. Like he's doing veteran level things that you wouldn't expect a rookie to do. And honestly, he's so far become one of the Raptors' best players very quickly. And the upside with him is just through the roof, man. Again, like, he's so far beyond what we expected of him Dude, already. Dude, crazy. And the fact that this is him as a rookie season is absolutely insane. And Scotty Barnes, when we were talking about a guy like Cade Cunningham, who's an all-around pa- package, Scotty Barnes is nearly that. You know, obviously the one glaring hole is the jump shot, right? But he's shown that he can hit that mid-range at this point. You know, he's already been very comfortable at taking that. Um, he's been comfortable at least shooting the outside shot from time to time. You know, he hasn't really made any except for like one so far. Listen, he takes the shot. He at least takes He's already better than Ben Simmons at that. (laughs) That's basically, that's what we're all thinking, right? Um, But yeah, Scotty Barnes is already so NBA ready that it's it's pretty insane how good he is already, right? it's crazy. His IQ. um, And the fact that like, you know, veterans, you can tell who's a veteran and who's a young player by the pace that they play at, by the control that they have. Scotty Barnes already has that veteran control, even though he's a rookie, right? He plays at his own pace. He looks like the smartest guy on the court half the time for the Raptors, which is kind of sad, if we're being honest. It's kind of sad. Dude, his first bucket was a skyhook. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo. Like, at some points, he's looked at the he's looked like the Raptors' best player on the court, which, again... It's very good for Scotty Barnes, but it's kind of sad as a Raptors Well, fan. Pascal Siakam isn't isn't playing yet, so that also isn't you know it's not the full picture. But again, he is ha- has been definitely one of the Raptors' best players, and honestly, the sky is the limit for the guy. First, and also the the vibes, the guy, the guy the is vibes, energy, man. The guy is energy. And one more note on Scotty Barnes is that, like, I my, I had a friend. He's very critical, especially of the Raptors. But he bought a Scotty Barnes jersey because he's like, yo, this guy's got heart. And I'm like, all right, like, like th- that's all you need to know about Scotty Barnes. He made it's, fans that quickly. It's funny because like a lot of, like you just said, I I know a lot of other Raptors haters as well. The one guy that they all love from the Raptors is Scotty Barnes, which is why there's been, I think, less uh, less hating on the Raptors this season. Yeah, for sure. But in terms of our Rookie of the Year pick and actually who's gonna win the award, we're gonna go with Jalen Green. Just because, again, what Zishan was talking about, it's probably it's about the numbers, and he's probably going to average the most points out of this rookie class. Not to mention the highlights. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which brings us into the Sixth Man of the Year award. Now, this is one of those very tricky awards to pick because it could be all over the place, and you really don't know who is going to explode um, for any given team this season. Uh, last season, the winner was Jordan Clarkson, who is actually going to be our first candidate for the award this year. Mainly because this award is really a repetitive award. Shout out Lou Will and Jamal Crawford. Uh, yeah. Because, again, it's really about who can score the most points off the bench. And right now, he has... Jordan Clarkson has the most defined bench gunner role in the league. Like, that's literally what Utah wants him to do. Come in, get buckets. And that's what Jordan Clarkson does. So, not a ton to say. He won the award last year. He's probably going to do a lot of what he did last year, again this year. So, he's going to be in the running for sure. Yeah, like you said, right, this award is basically based on if your team is good enough, first of all, like a top three, top four seed, 
And then beyond that, the only other criteria is basically who scores the most points off of the bench. And Jordan Clarkson will probably be at the top of the list for bench scoring this season. As, you know, like you just mentioned, comes into the game, he has a complete green light to shoot whatever the hell shots he wants. And the Utah Jazz need him to do that because of obviously, you know, their offensive struggles over the years, which have kind of... You know, they've been better at that recently, but, you know, well, Jordan Clarkson... off the bench, especially, they needed help. Exactly. So, Jordan Clarkson is definitely our first candidate and probably, you know, everyone's pick um, or everyone's at least, you know, biggest candidate for the Sixth Man of the Year award this season. The next guy we're going to go with is, you know, might be surprising, but with the way he's played... Um, this season so far in the preseason as well as the game so far it's in a lot the regular of recency season. bias. It's recency bias, but we're talking about Tyler Hero. Um, and this was mainly my pick, I think, just because of the fact that, like you mentioned about the Sixth Man of the Year Award, is based on how many points you can score. And Tyler Hero can score. Um, he had a little bit of a down year last year. I think it was overblown, the down year that he had, <laughs> because like it was kind of the same season. He kind of had the same season as his rookie season. It's just people didn't see... The progression that they wanted from him, which listen, is why I think there's a lot. Of- listen, the way I see it is, if a ra- if you, if a, if, a, if a rapper makes a rap song about a player, that player's having a down year. Hey, remember maybe. Mo Bamba? That's uh, all I'm saying, well, man. Yeah, that depends. But Tyler Hero, he can definitely score in bunches. Um, I think last year he also was kind of struggling with his role on what he was going to be. This year he has a defined role for what he's going to be with Miami. He's going to be the backup point guard for the Miami Heat to back up Kyle Lowry and. So far, he's shown he's been very capable of that, um, you know, passing the ball well. But also, he looks a lot more comfortable shooting the ball, you know, just it's that third year, right? We always know what happens. Usually the rookies, they come in, they do their thing. Second year, it's a lot tougher because people start to figure them out and they need to adjust. And then the third year is where we really see what they're going to be as a player. And Tyler Hero is kind of, he's defined that third year, which is what I kind of expected from him. Now, I don't think he's going to be putting up like, 20 points a game off the bench just because of how Miami's structured as an offense. But, you know, if he puts up that 16 points a game, Miami's a top three seed. He puts up like five assists off of the bench. And not to mention, again, brand awareness, This always that always helps to win these awards, right? Having that name recognition. Tyler Hero already has that name recognition, which is why... I mean, his last name's Hero. Like, dude, like... Yeah. <laughs> let me let market Right, itself. so I would definitely have him on this list as our second candidate. Yeah, I mean, again, I've I've been a little critical of Tyler Hero, especially last season, especially because Miami didn't want to give him up for Kyle Lowry. Just, I mean, I mean, they got him anyways. But they got both now, so I mean, but me. let's be real, Tyler Hero had a down year last year in terms of overall what what we, he could have been, um, which is fine. He was he's young. It's now about the bounce back, which I think is what a lot of us are banking on is that he's gonna take uh, the criticism that in the, in, that he got last season and really kind of build off of that. And again. It's really hard, especially, it, I think his biggest concern was the shooting, that it kind of fell off. And I think, again, if he can regain that, he can probably be a 15, 16 point per game scorer off well, the bench. Again, it wasn't even that it was that bad. It's just the percentages were not as great. And, you know, like that happens as a yeah, young player. It happens. Those things increase with time. And with the amount of weapons that they have this year, that will definitely, those percentages will definitely be going. Exactly. Up. Like there's a lot less pressure on him to, to score and actually be a consistent factor for the offense. Which brings us into the final candidate for the Sixth Man of the Year Award. And we're going to show some love to Derrick Rose. I know I'm not the biggest Knicks guy uh, in the world. I mean, I give you guys a lot of, a lot of press. I'm just going to say You're, that. You're, I think, the least uh, 
next guy. Yo, I'm the anti Spike Lee. <laughs> Yo, but uh, but no, shout out like I, the the one guy in the Knicks that I really can't hate on is Derrick Rose. Like, shout out Derrick Rose. I mean, like he was an iconic player at the beginning of his career, and then he kind of rebuilt himself and reinvented himself as this six man kind of player. Arguably, was the Knicks' best player in the playoffs. Let's be real. No, I don't think it's arguably. I think everyone would say that he was. The yeah, Knicks you're best right. Player. He was the Knicks' best player. Sorry, Julius Randle. Um, but again, Derrick Rose has really kind of established himself in a six-man role where he comes in and really becomes the engine for the offense. Uh, not only is he he's he's really become a better playmaker, but again, he can still score. Derrick Rose gets in the lane, he knows what to do. He's a veteran player, and he definitely will be in the consideration for this role, especially if New York plans on you know continuing to advance. They need Derrick Rose to score. Well, Derrick Rose, I think, like you mentioned, right? He really. Uh, rebuilt himself, especially in Minnesota, and which is where I think he really found his footing of what he was in the league at this point. And what he is in the league now is basically a veteran starter that plays off of the bench, kind of of the Manu Ginobili role, right? Where you come in, you're basically a starter off of the bench, you run the offense, you get your points, you get everyone involved, and you just make sure the team does not fall off a cliff. When the starters come out of the game. Which and is Derek important Rose, for a young team. Exactly. And Derrick Rose has been great at that since he's gone to New York. Like like we mentioned, he was definitely the best player in the playoffs last year. And he's shown that he's still got it, right? Obviously, obviously, he's not the talent that he once was. But I think all around, when you're talking about his game, I think he's a better all-around player yeah. than what he was in Chicago, I, right? I agree. Yeah. Obviously, he's not a better player. But all around, he, he knows what to do now, right? He... He's in control. He knows what he's doing on the court. And in terms of the six-man role, like I mentioned, right, the Manu Ginobili, like the peak six-man, um, you know, image that we all have is probably Manu Ginobili, right? I mean, again, this role is a, is a reestablishment for Derrick Rose. So obviously he's not going to be what we used to see him be. But in terms of what he is now and the value he can bring to a team at this current moment of his career, it's, it's a perfect fit. Not to mention he was also a top three candidate for the award last year as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Which obviously brings us into our winner. Now, we're actually kind of split on, on who we think is the winner. Personally, on my end, I think it's going to be Derrick Rose. I think he's been through a lot, and I think he will get a lot of appreciation, especially from the media, to get to get the Sixth Man of the Year award, especially if the Knicks have a decent year. I mean, I don't know about good. We're going we're, we're gonna to have to see. I mean, Stephen A. thinks they're going to win the championship. I mean, typical New York. This is why I hate New York fans. Like, this is literally why I the Dallas Cowboys of the free, uh, of the NBA. Yeah, that's basically the comparison. Yeah, right? but Zeeshan is predicting Tyler Hero to win. Uh, the actually, I'll go with Jordan Clarkson ah, okay. probably. Um, just because again, like Derrick Rose, I don't disagree with that pick either. But Jordan Clarkson, I'm just gonna go with Jordan Clarkson just because, like this role, this award is just basically about who's established Pretty in much. this role, and Jordan Clarkson I think has a more bench role than Derrick Rose does if. If that makes any sense, right? Derrick Rose kind of yeah. plays a lot of starter minutes where Jordan Clarkson is strictly a bench player. Jordan Clarkson is definitely the safe pick. If, if I had to pick one, he's the, he's the safest pick to make. But yeah, either one of these guys can probably win this award this year. Which brings us into the, most hard, the hardest award to predict, and it's the most improved player award. Uh, we're usually wrong about this award, and I think everyone's usually dude, wrong. Dude, it's so hard because it's like we don't know who's gonna pop off, and obviously, I think consistency also matters as well, which is is a big factor. Like again, like last year, like Julius Randle won the award, but you could there was points in the season where people like Chris Boucher was in the running for that award. So, 
Again, a lot of it depends on how a player progresses throughout the season, but we 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 put some names out there anyways. This this award is basically who was kind of a nobody the year before and became a legit somebody. Well, speaking speaking of an, of a nobody, I, I mean, I guess out to basically the rest of the NBA besides Raptor fans, uh, our first candidate for the Most Improved Player Award is gonna, it's, it's going to be OG Ananobi. Uh, because for some reason the guy can't even make an all defensive team. team. That's disrespectful. He's man. one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, and this guy can't even get a nomination. Disrespectful. He's one of the best all around defenders in like, the league. Period. He is like honestly in, in terms. Of, I think everyone just remembers LeBron hitting the the floater over him, which again he was right there. Like let's be real. Like the defense was was good on that play, but again OG. The biggest thing is he's gonna have a more expanded role offensively now, and we've seen preseason in the last few games he's played for the Raptors. He's really improved in terms of like he's improved the handle. He's improved his, his uh, pull up pull up jumper, uh, off the dribble three, um, driving he, game, driving game. His post up like he's really worked on his offensive game on top of the defense that he brings. So he's definitely going to take a step up for the Raptors, which is what what they've hoped for. Honestly, they really wanted this guy to not only be the defensive beast that he is, but also be a guy like a competent guy offensively. Now there was some Kawhi Leonard comparisons. And I don't think he's going to reach Kawhi Leonard levels, yeah. but honestly, if he just bees like, if he's like a 20 point per game scorer and still an elite defender, I think that's a fantastic player. Yeah, man. OG Ananobi is definitely, I think he's a lot of lists I've seen as have put him up there basically for the reasons you've just given, right? We all know he was going to take a larger offensive role this season, especially with Pascal Siakam being out. For and Norm Powell being traded. Yeah. And so he's really stepped up. He's really worked very, very hard um, on his offensive game. And when you're combining that with the defense that he already brings, you can really see why he's a big candidate for everyone on this list. Um, but I think the most improved aspect probably strictly comes from the offensive side yeah. of the ball, right? We know what he is defensively. Um, but again, if he can do, you know, if he can be that two-way type of player, then he's definitely going to be... Um, in the running for this award. The next player we have is Jordan Poole. Now, Jordan Poole, I put him on this list, and I think a lot of other people are starting to wake up to who Jordan Poole is going to be for the Golden State Warriors, and he's already gotten the nickname of the Splash Nephew, right? Um, yo, they got to chill with these Splash nicknames, it's, yo. It's funny, but, like, bro, Jordan Poole has been absolutely insane. And I touched upon this last season when he came back from the G League. Previously... Previous to going to the G League, he's kind of looking like his career might be trending downhill. You know, he might not be able to get a job again in the NBA. But he went to the G League. He really found that confidence in himself. I think it was the biggest factor. He came back from the G League and he's been balling ever since for the Golden State Warriors. And especially now this year with an established role, with an actual competent team around him and not a bunch of G Leaguers on the squad, right? He is doing what he's doing, and he's out. He's being that twenty-point guy, twenty-point guy that they need, um, especially in the absence of Clay Thompson. So, Jordan Poole, I think he's going to keep up these numbers consistently, and if he does, he's going to be in the running for the most well, player award. Well, I think when Clay comes back, I think they're going to come back down a little bit. But yeah, if he can keep this going for for the remainder of the season, he will definitely be in consideration for this award because of the fact that. We didn't really expect it from him. We didn't really see him. I did. Well, I mean, you did. But again, most most NBA fans out there probably don't know who Jordan Poole even is. So the fact that the guy has come and really took his route to the G League and really 
establish themselves on a, on a role on, on a very good team in the Golden State like on a very competent team in the Golden State Warriors uh, would definitely help his chances, especially in this award. Uh, which brings us into the final candidate for the Most Improved Player Award. Now we went back and forth on who we should put as the last guy, but we ended up settling on Kevin Porter Jr. of the Houston Rockets. Uh, now Kevin Porter Jr. hasn't had the greatest start to his NBA career. Obviously, his first year in Cleveland was actually kind of decent, to be honest with you. It wasn't poor, bad at all. His second year was kind of riddled with injuries and the whole, you know, like uh, off court stuff. Yeah, basically. all the off court stuff that he had, eventually leading to Cleveland kind of getting rid of him and trading him over to Houston. Which I low-key thought was a great move for the Houston Rockets because, again, he was a first-round pick and definitely very talented. And he was, he was a lottery pick that fell to the end of the first round because, again, said off-court issues. Pretty right? much. And now you, can, you, you kind of are understanding why. The guy can score. Like he can, he's got some good tools offensively. Uh, good playmaker. Got, his, got the three-point shot in his bag. I mean, I looked at his numbers. I think he's shooting 40% from the field but 41% from three. Welcome to the new NBA, I guess. Um, but again, he's still averaging about five assists per game. And overall, again, now with an expanded role in Houston, especially because they're trying to move John Wall out, he's going to get a bunch of the minutes, and he's probably going to have a pretty good year. Well, Kevin Porter Jr. was already looked at as the guy who was going to be on this list this year, especially ever since he got to Houston, right? He was being amazing for them. He dropped 50-plus yeah. for them, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, so he's been great for the Houston Rockets, which is why a lot of people already had him on this list. But now with the whole John Wall situation, they Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be the starting, or he is the starting point guard for the team. And he's already said that he wants to average 10 assists a game, right? Is that attainable? Probably not. I mean, but, if Jalen Green keeps it up, he might, he might be able to do it. But again, he's, you know, it's kind of been a rough start for him, which, you know, that's expected. That's all right. But I think... The points that he can put up, the scoring performances, plus what the playmaking duties he's going to have is probably the biggest reason why we have him on this list. Just the expanded role he's going to have in addition to the talent and like the production level that he can already achieve um, definitely makes him deserving to be on the most improved li- list, especially like if he plays to the level that he wants to play. He definitely has a, has a great opportunity. For sure, and it's whether or not he capitalizes on it. Now, he's shown in the past that he's capable. We just have to wait and see on, on Kevin Porter Jr. But in terms of our prediction for who's actually going to win the award, uh, we're going to go with OG Ananobi. We feel like he should finally get the respect that he deserves uh, in the league. Um, and I think he can do it. Honestly speaking, man, Like it's kind of been an up-and-down start, but the last few games have shown me that he is capable of, of being that guy. And... I think he definitely deserves some respect. Especially when Pascal Siakam comes back, he's going to be able to bump up those percentages. and More open shots. More open shots and just be more chill on offense, I think, is going to be the biggest thing. So I think OG Anobi definitely has a great case for yeah, this award. for sure. Which brings us into the next award, which is the Defensive Player of the Year Award. Now, this award has kind of gotten pretty stale, to be honest It's literally with you. the most stale award on this list. It's, I feel like our three candidates have been the same three candidates for the last, like, two years. Yeah, like basically, honestly speaking, um, but yeah, defensive player of the year award last year, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy Gobert won the award. Um, and honestly speaking, he's gonna be a, he's on this list again. We have him as one of our candidates, obvious reasons again. The stifle tower, the guy is the biggest deterrent in the you know in the NBA, he is basically the center of the Utah Jazz's defense, and the biggest reason why they have a very good defense 
every single season because this guy's anchoring the paint. And not much more to say on Rudy Gay, Rudy Rudy Gobert. I don't know why he said Rudy Gay. Well, but he's on that team now. Too. He's on he's on that team now too. Yeah, but, shout out former Raptor Rudy Gay. Absolutely, um, but Rudy Gobert. Not much we can say about him. The guy is a beast defensively, and he will probably continue to be that. Again, he's gonna be one of the greatest all time defenders. Um, one of the best shot blockers for sure. Yeah, he's already had you know defensive seasons on par with Bill Russell, um, which is saying a lot. You know, yeah. like. Rudy Gobert is, when you think about defense in the NBA, Rudy Gobert is probably the first guy that you think of um, defensively. He is the Utah Jazz system defensively. Pretty you know, much. You know, there's players who are great defenders, and then there's players who are their team system defensively. And Rudy Gobert is one of those guys. Another guy that's basically their team's uh, system defensively is Draymond Green, who's our second candidate on this list. Similar to Rudy Gobert, there's not much to say about Draymond Green. He is one of the best all-around defenders in the league. Um, he can match up with guards. He can match up with big men. He can do whatever you need him to do on the defensive end. And he is one of the biggest factors um, or one of the biggest reasons as to why Golden State was able to create this dynasty. He's just so... He's very adaptable, I think, in Draymond Green. And I think watching him a little bit more closely, I've, I've realized how good he actually is. Because in terms of... Again, like these are things I've learned off Marcus Smart a little bit. It's just positioning. Especially for these undersized guys, if you know how to position yourself, know kind of like have know how to play the mental game a little bit, you'll be a very good defender. I mean, those long arms help as well. Like he's he has one of the longest arms in the NBA, um, but he's just one of those glue guys. He he keeps the Golden State Warriors he's together. A great, he's a great flopper too. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Hey, I mean, most great defenders are also great floppers. Yeah. Shout out, players. shout out, Marcus Smart. Um, but yeah, Draymond Green, no brainer. He's gonna, he's definitely gonna be up here on this list. Uh, and finally, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He won it a couple of years ago with, along with the MVP, his second MVP award. Still incredible how he's done that. Now he's an NBA champion, dude. Giannis's resume is growing. Um, but yeah, this, he's still one of the best defenders, just based on the fact that he's like six eleven, seven like seven like six wingspan or something like that. He's super fast. He can guard the perimeter. He can still. Hunt down and chase down for blocks, uh, you know, defensively. Like, he, he's an anchor for that Bucks defense, man. And he's also one of the most hardworking guys, superstar players we have in the league. So the guy doesn't take a possession off. Yeah, man. Giannis Antetokounmpo is basically another guy that can legitimately do it, do everything for you defensively, right? If you want him to guard on the perimeter, you can do that. But his main role on the Bucks defense is guarding the paint, guarding the rim um, as their main shot blocker. And... Again, that like eight foot wingspan definitely helps, right? Um, and again, like you mentioned, is basically Giannis is always in the conversation for these awards because he he's probably the most tryhard superstar um, in the league in the regular and, season. And that's a, like I say that with all due respect, you know, he puts his heart out um, every single game, every single minute, um, and he's he he just he takes it very seriously. He doesn't, um, you know. He doesn't shy away from the regular season. Um, and again, that has to do with also his age. You know, he's still a very young player. Right? Surprisingly. So he can, yeah, he, he, can, he can afford to go out, all out during the regular season. But again, that's primarily why he's always on these lists. Yeah, I mean, again, like the guy... These are regular season awards for sure. But again, Giannis has shown he can do some of this stuff in the playoffs. I mean, he has a ring for a reason. And... We feel that's why he's probably going to be... He's going to win... The, in our opinion, he's going to win the award this year. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Because, again, 
I think people are tired of giving it to Rudy Gobert. I think, what does he have, three? He has three. He has three. Uh, Draymond has has one or two himself. And so I, it just makes sense that Giannis will be that guy. Um, you know, one notable name probably that people are going to say is Ben Simmons. But again, who knows what if this guy's going to play this year. We have no idea. Well, again, Giannis, he's also won one, but like we mentioned, this is probably the most still award in the league. So whoever wins it is probably going to be an already winner of this award. Rinse and repeat. Basically. Welcome to the DPOY. Um, but yeah, moving us finally into the most valuable player, the MVP award. This one has changed a little bit. Like, it's up and down. Um and again, a lot of it has to do with reputation, but also potential as well. And the way the voting has kind of worked, you know, it's been unique to say the least on the running. I'll the throw award. a word for there to kind of clear it up. Uh, narrative. Yeah, yeah, that is a very good word. Um, because again, like the MVP award is really about who has not only the best stats, but also the best story. Um, it also comes into like winning and stuff and where you seed, but more likely than not, if you have the best story, you're most likely going to be the and a runner. top four seed, basically. even even like a top five, top six. Like it really like if you're that good and you have a great story, like people will vote for you. And speaking of a guy who probably has one of the best stories to begin their career, man, it's Luka Doncic. He's going to be the first candidate for the for the MVP award. What more to say about Luka Doncic? I mean, again, I've been on his hype train since day one, and I'm, I haven't gotten off that shit. I've been driving it. But he's he's just fantastic, man. The guy can score at will. He can score from wherever he wants. He's basically at the point where he can just toy with, with defenders at this point. And this guy's in his like fourth year in the league. It's that, that impressive. Again, Luka Doncic is basically being looked at as LeBron's heir Pretty much. Um, in the NBA. And, you know, he can do everything you want on the court. He puts up crazy amounts of stats, which is always good for your MVP case. Um, but again, I think my main thing for Luka Doncic is if the Dallas Mavericks are able to get that top four seed, top five seed. Again, like you said, with the way, the amount of competitiveness now around the league, he could even win it with like a six seed. I think for like the league is finally looking for a fresh face too to win this award. And I think if he does win the MVP... It'll definitely be like a crowning moment, like a passing of the torch type of moment uh, for the NBA. Like you, basically, I think I agree with that point, right? They're probably looking for a new guy to take the mantle, which comparatively to the next two guys we're going to talk about, you know, Luka Doncic is that new face on the block. And the next candidate I'm going to talk about is Steph Curry because it's Steph Curry. Like this guy's one of the most impactful players of all time. We've already seen what he's done to begin the season and to start off in the preseason... This guy's already dropped 45. <laughs> like, like, this guy is... Like, I don't know, man. Like, during, obviously, the championship years, I hated him. But watching him as a pure basketball fan, it's insane how good of a player he is. And he doesn't even need the ball to be good. You know, he's one of the most impactful players of all time without the ball. You know, just because of what he does for you as an offense... Um, just him being on the court. Basically. He's his own offense. Let's be real. And honestly speaking, where would the Warriors be without him? That that's a question that I don't think any Warrior fan wants the answer to. But yeah, I mean, again, a lot of it's going to be the numbers. And if the Warriors make it to the playoffs, and Curry, Which is, they they will, bro. 
Well, with we, the way they're playing, they, they will. We predict them to be now. It is very early. We don't know what's going to happen. Barring, but more likely than not, they should be in the contention for the playoffs. Barring injuries, knock on wood. Barring any injuries or anything, they should be in contention for the playoffs. And Steph Curry's going to be a big part of it. So, But the only thing with Curry is that will there be voter fatigue, which I feel like there probably will be. I mean, he's already back-to-back MVP, unanimous MVP. Like, he's already won these accolades, so I don't know how inclined people are to do it again because it's like... It's basically like the LeBron conversation. Like, we expect him to do stuff like this. Well, the one thing I think Curry has going for him in terms of the story aspect of it is that, number one, it's been a while since he's won the award, right? Sure. He won it last time in, what, 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right? So it's been six years, basically, when the season ends that he's won the award. Second of all, I think Steph Curry has gotten a lot of hype and a lot of praise because of what he's been able to do with all the injuries that have happened and with the lack of talent, especially last year. Um, but obviously this year, Clay is still out. So the there was a lot of questions about whether or not Steph Curry could carry a team without like five other superstars with him. And he answered the question, which is very much so, yes. Right? He can do whatever you want and he can carry that team. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest working points for Curry's um, MVP vote. That I think, you know, again, he hasn't won in a while. And the story of, you know, what he's been able to do without a guy like Klay Thompson and obviously last year without basically the whole team. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely has a good 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 chance and he's going to be in the running. Will he win? That really depends. But the final candidate that we have to bring up is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Again, we kind of hit on it like when we were talking about him for the Defensive Player of the Year award. The guy goes 110% every game, every possession. He works so hard, and he's just so... Like, it's really hard to stop, to be honest. Unless you really, you know, build that wall and have, like, a, like, have like a, like a constant lineup of wing defenders, like big, strong wing defenders to throw at him, you're not going to slow this guy down, man. Well, again, the Milwaukee Bucks built their team to try to address that issue, and they've done a great job at it, as evidenced by the championship that they just won. Right, and not to mention Giannis has the percentages won't say it, but he definitely looks a lot better um, as a shooter. Than oh he yeah, did, you know, pre in previous years, right? Um, that'll so, be scary if he gets a jump shot. I mean, I don't know if that'll ever happen, just because we always say, "Oh, if this dude gets a jump shot," but a lot of these dudes never are Listen, able to get a jump shot. I think a thirty-five percent jump shot on Giannis would be. It, it would be leaps and bounds. It would open so many things up for him. Well, again, yeah. If he does get to that 35% from outside, league is basically over, right? Game Pretty over. much. Um, so, yeah. Probably Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be our final candidate to round out the yeah. MVP discussion. Honorable mention I'll throw in will be Kevin Durant. But, again, the Brooklyn... The fact that he's on Brooklyn just takes a lot of voting voting confidence away from Kevin Durant. Although, again, talent-wise, he is arguably... I mean, he's second best in our eyes, but again, he's creeping over towards being the best player in the world, and rightfully so. He's a fantastic player, but had to build had to build another super team. That's just kind of how KD works. But in terms of who we think is actually going to win the MVP award, we're going to go with Luka Doncic. Now, we did predict Luka to win last year, and that really didn't go very well for us. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna try it again, and hopefully, ah, oh, his coach is Jason Kidd. Oh, oh, oh man. Yo, I saw a comment on Twitter the other day. The only person who's been able to stop Luka Doncic so far has been Jason Kidd, bro. I mean, 
Uh, yeah, so we'll, we, we'll see what happens with how the Mavs do. But in terms of pure talent, and also who we kind of want to see win the award, I would love to see Luka win the award. Uh, because I think he deserves it. He's one of the best players. He's the future of this league. And hopefully he does. For me, I think the biggest reason why I would have him as my winner is just the new face. Pretty much. Right? So It's something fresh. And obviously, I think the league kind of wants it to happen too. You know, but yeah, those were our NBA award picks for the for the 2021-2022 season. Let us know what you guys think, agree or disagree, either on the comment section on YouTube or on social media. Which brings us finally into the up and under segment, and it's pretty pretty eventful for the most part. First off, are you up or under on the NBA announcing the top 75 player list of all time, which was technically 76 players because p- politics. Well, no, it's because like there was a tie in the votes. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, but basically, they announced the the seventy five best players of all time as voted on by I think a combination between the media and players. Media, players, coaches, executives, exactly, former players, like yeah. everyone. Basically. And again, like the the notable names. I mean, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron, Shaq, Tim Duncan, Magic Johnson. Like the the, the guys you expect to be there were going to be there, but there were some notable snubs. Uh, first and foremost, Dwight Howard was definitely a snub. Um, I really, I would have put him over a guy like Anthony Davis, to be perfectly honest with you. But Dwight Howard was definitely one of them. Dikembe Mutombo, how, how is he snubbed? Uh, Pau Gasol, um, Tracy McGrady, uh, Kyrie Irving, I can kind of understand, and Clay Thompson, some notable names. So are you up or under on the list itself and some of the snubs? I'm up on it for the most part. Now, I will say this, in terms of addressing the NBA Top 75 list, a lot of people are mad. They're like, oh, who's this guy from the 60s? Who's the guy from the 50s? I understand why they kept the Top 75 list with a majority of this former, you know, Top 50 players. I think I think they kept all the Top 50 players, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. I think so. Um, I understand why the league did it, man. Like, dude, former players get disrespected so much. Current players would not be where they are today. Um, without the former players and when you're talking about talent wise yes today the players are more talented than any other generation but if you throw the former players into today's generation with the tools that they have today with you know the knowledge that they have today great players transcend any era it's great player great great players are great players in every single era so i'm completely up on the list for the most part the one the one name that i have to disagree with very much is the fact that Damian Lillard made it. Throw yeah, Anthony I Davis love, in there too. I, I'm all right with the Anthony I'm Davis not. pick. What has he done? Championship. <laughs> just that's it. <laughs> number of All NBA teams. No, 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 no. All NBA teams. You gotta. Then you gotta. You gotta get into the competition of Pau Gasol, Dikembe, yeah, Dwight. Pau Gasol barely made any All NBA teams. He made six. Yeah, but Anthony Davis already made like eight. I still He still has two two championships and gold medals. Well, again. Like, like, we're talking about NBA, though. Yeah, so. but still. But, like, like again, Pagasol, talent-wise, does not compare to Anthony Davis, let's be real. But, again, like I said, my main issue is Damian Lillard being on this list. Now, again, I love Damian Lillard, but no way in hell he deserves to be on this list. Especially over my biggest pet peeve was Dwight Howard not making it. Now, this is basically recency bias because of the fact that Dwight Howard's been a role player for upwards of, like, six, seven years at this point. Yeah. But people who don't understand and who never watched Dwight Howard in their prime won't be able to understand how good of a player he was and how dominant of a defensive monster he was. He was, they were like for that, for the, his prime years, he was the best big in basketball. And 
the guy, I mean, he won three Defensive Player of the Year awards. The in guy, a row. In a row. And he made it to an NBA Finals uh, with the Orlando Magic. He probably had no business of being there, to be, let's be real. Um, they beat LeBron to get there, which is pretty surprising as well. And, yeah, I would say Dwight. May, I would say maybe even Dikembe Mutombo would also be someone I'd put in, maybe put into that conversation as well. But, yeah, like, again, there are some names on this, on this top 75 list that are a little questionable, especially... Because there are a lot more, I guess the NBA wanted some names that are current to kind of appease some of the younger audiences. But if you're doing an all top seventy five all time list, you gotta you gotta factor in everything. You can't just factor in you know recency bias or anything of that nature. You gotta you gotta focus on their accolades. And again, talking about the rest of the names like T Mac, all the time I had no success. Yeah, you know playoff wise, so that and then Kyrie Clay, I think they're great players, but. Top 75 worthy? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, Clay's got the accolade, like, for sure, in terms of the championships, but he wasn't the main guy. So that also factors into it, too. Next up, are you up or under on a very, you know, situation, a, a situation that hits close to home? <laughs> are you up or under on X Rogers' chair? Well, X Rogers currently, we, we don't know what's going to happen yet. Ed Rogers uh, strongly opposing the re-signing of Raptors Vice President Masai Ujiri last summer. Um, and one of the things apparently that happened was he reportedly called uh, Masai to tell him that he was not worth the contract, which led to Masai pondering to take a year off. Yeah, I'm absolutely under on this, mainly because, and again, a lot of... All my homies hate Ed Rogers, bro. Yo, like, first off, first and foremost, just for, for anyone who doesn't understand how the, how the Raptors ownership actually works, we're owned by Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and we're our board of governors... There's three entities that kind of own the Raptors. Rogers, uh, which is a telecommunication company, one of the biggest telecommunication companies in Canada. Bell, another one. And then obviously, Larry Tannenbaum owns uh, 25% <clears throat> himself. Scammer Central, bro. Yo, listen, Larry Tannenbaum's a G. Larry Tannenbaum, we're cool with him, but yeah, the rest no. of... Uh, the, te the telecom companies definitely steal their money. Yo, Even Ontario people or Canada people, I guess, know what we're talking about. Man. Yeah, like, they, they kind of sign my checks too. But still... Um, when we're talking about Rodgers, Rodgers is definitely the least active or the least the, the, the least involved in the Raptors out of the, the, the three majority parties in the ownership stake. And it kind of shows, you know, with Ed Rodgers, obviously, like they all have a lot of stake in the, in the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have a lot of stake in TFC, uh, the Blue Jays. That's kind of what Rodgers kind of focuses on. And basketball, really, the Bells, Bell and Larry Tannenbaum kind of thing. But again, the fact that the Ed Rogers said that Masai wasn't worth the contract is clearly the biggest, um, you know, it's a undervaluing. It's disrespectful and undervaluing a guy who turned around your organization after Brian Colangelo tanked it, um, got you a culture, consistent trips to the playoffs, franchise record and wins. Um, conference finals appearances. Widely regarded as the best executive in the sport, bro. Like, and he won you a championship. When is the last time a Canadian team has won a championship? It has been I mean, a long time. Have you seen the Maple Leafs? So. Have you seen the Maple Leafs? <laughs> like, have you seen them? Especially recently. Like, they... The fact of the matter is Masai Ujiri is worth every single penny, if not more... And the fact that he said that, like, this is this is one of the ownership. This is a guy who owns 37.5% of the Raptors. And he said that about Masai Ujiri. Now, thankfully, Larry Tannenbaum, who is a very big fan of Masai Ujiri, uh, very close with Masai, he vouched and basically overruled 
uh, Ed Rogers. And also, Bell people were yeah. on Larry Tannenbaum's side, so shout out to Bell people also. Pretty for, much, at least and, doing their job correctly. Well, again, like they were more involved in the, in the basketball side of things uh, versus Rogers. But in terms of Larry Tannenbaum, he used his his clout of power, being the Raptors representative in the ownership group, and overruled Ed Rogers, which best decision he could have made. Bro, again, this is what happens when you have people in ownership status, ownership authority, who have no idea what they actually own. Yeah. They don't know anything about what they actually own. The fact that this guy said the stuff that he did, and again, this guy's track record speaks for itself in terms of what he's done for the Blue Jays, what he's done in, you know, the other sports like the Leafs. Like, you can read up on what his track record is. It's not great. This guy is one of those classic, you know, like one of those classic owners who are just in it to make their money, basically. Pretty much act like they know more than what they actually do. So, yeah, all my homies hate Ed Rogers, bro. Real talk. Um, but, yeah, like, this is just a very a very Toronto Raptors-esque situation from the previous decade. Like, if this happened in the previous decade, this would have been, like, no surprise. I mean, either. Ed Rogers probably would have won if it was the previous probably. decade. But, yeah, shout out to Masai Ujiri. Thank you very much for staying with the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, shout out Masai Ujiri. Uh, no shout out to Ed Rogers. Bro. Absolutely not. A shout out Larry Tannenbaum, too. Yeah, shout out Larry Tannenbaum. Shout out to the Bell guys. Yeah, absolutely. But moving on, are you up or under on uh, James Harden? Feels that he's being targeted by the new foul rule changes. Basically, the question was kind of posed to Steve Nash. Is do, does he feel that, you know, Steve Nash kind of hinted that James Harden was becoming the poster boy of some of the new NBA rule changes. And James Harden was asked about it, and he obviously commented that, you know, he's trying to play through it, and he's just trying to ask the refs to call what they see. But what the refs are actually seeing is technically you violating the new rules. Like, let's be real. But are you up or under on him feeling that way? I'm under on it, man, because, bro, shut up, bro. Like, you got, like, a million foul calls per season based off of garbage calls, right? Garbage Historically, ball. I think he shot the most free throws of all by time. By far, by <laughs> like, far. Uh, shout out, who was it? Jimmy Hyrule did a video on it, basically analyzing it. So shout out to him and watch his video. But like, bro, this guy, I don't care what this guy says. Again, like he's entitled to feel that way. Is he being the poster boy for the rule? Yes. Probably yes. Him, right? Trey Young, Steph Curry. They're the poster boys of this, of the, of the rule changes. Does anybody actually feel bad for him? Nope. No. Right? So... Um, under on James Harden, um, you know, feeling targeted. Who cares? Listen, it takes a like, those are not basketball plays, and this these rule changes take those away. So I'm I'm I hella agree with them. Uh, next up, um, we have a couple of points about some rookie extensions that happened. So first of all, are you up or under on the Wizards and Daniel Gafford agreeing to a three-year, forty-point-two million-dollar extension? Yeah, I'm up on it. I think this is a decent signing. Um, he definitely impressed when he was traded from the Bulls over to uh, to the Wizards. And obviously with Thomas Bryant having some questions about his health, locking up a guy like Daniel Gafford to, at the very least, if he can just be your backup, is still going to be fantastic because, again, he fits the team. He brings a lot of energy. And he's still very young, too. And this is a very affordable contract. For I've the been talking about Daniel Gafford since last season, since he was acquired by the Wizards, and I said that was a great move. You can go check it out. I literally said that last season, and he's been great for the Wizards, especially, like you said, in the absence of Thomas Bryant, who's been injured. Daniel Gafford has literally done everything the Wizards have wanted, and he very much deserves this new contract. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on, are you up or under on the Atlanta Hawks and Kevin Herter agreeing to a four-year, $65 million extension? I'm up on it, man. Like, he, he bailed them out in a lot of playoff games last year. He was great for them. Uh, during the whole season last Yo, year. Yo, shout out to him being humble. 
Yeah, he's also very young. Um, he has a lot of potential. And again, the contract isn't that bad either. So with Atlanta trying to keep the core at what it is, and it's looked like a very good team so far, um, I'm up on it. But money's kind of creeping up for Atlanta. They got to be careful. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, next up, are you up or under on the Suns and Landry Shamit agreeing to a four-year $43 million extension? I mean, I'm under on it. What the hell has Landry Shamit done? Yo, shout out to Landry Shamit's agent, man. Yo, they probably have some link up with Harrison Barnes' agent. Yo, because how does this might guy... Be the same agent, might be the same agent. But how is this guy getting paid, man? Like, the guy hasn't done anything. Like, the guy was literally, like, dumped over to Phoenix because uh, Brooklyn didn't want to pay him. So they were just like, yeah, you can go to Phoenix. Again, the idea of Landry Shamit's always being better than the actual product of Landry Shamit in Pretty terms much. of him being a 3 and D guy. He's never fulfilled that role completely and for him to get this extension i don't know how he did it but hey man get your money shout out landry shannon catch your bag uh moving on are you up under on the pacers and malcolm brogdon agreeing to a two-year 45 million dollar extension essentially it's two more years tacked onto his deal worth 45 million dollars i'm up on it he's one of those you know fringe all-star guys basically for the indiana pacers he's been great since he got there so it makes all the sense in the world for them to, you know, try to keep him for as long as possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. Are you up or next up? Are you up or under on the Grizzlies and Jaron Jackson agreeing to a four-year, $105 million extension? Yeah, I'm up on it. I mean, I know Jaron Jackson has, hasn't shown the full growth that we, that we expected him to do, but I think he's definitely going to be there. Injuries really took a toll on him, on him last season. Hopefully with a healthy season, with John Moran continuing to get better, with John Moran's have been fantastic this season. He's going to improve, and obviously, again, he has so much potential. So the Grizzlies definitely locking him up definitely makes a ton of sense. And again, like, he can... He's... The main issues for so far in his career is being number one, injuries. Number two, just fouling too much. When he's been on the court, he's been very good. But when those fouls have started to kick in, that's affected the rest of his game. And in terms of him stopping being aggressive, you know, him... Like, it, the fouls have not been great. So if he's able to cut that down stop getting injured, then I think this contract is definitely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, uh, are you up or under on the Phoenix Suns and Mikhail Bridges agreeing to a four-year, $90 million extension? I'm up on it. You know, he's shown great guy. growth. Um, he was a big factor in them making finals last season. And he just does what you want from a, from a small forward in today's NBA. He's I, the exact 3 and D prototype. Um, you know, like basically what you want in today's NBA. Listen, so I call it since worth it. I call it since day one when this guy was drafted. I saw the potential. I saw what what teams are looking for. He's the type of player, role player teams are looking for. Uh, team friendly deal. I love it. Fantastic. Another another validation. Now all we need is Ben Simmons to be traded, and you know I'm I'm on I'm on a win streak. You know it's gonna happen. It's, yeah, it's for sure gonna happen. Uh, but so those were some of the players that obviously signed rookie rookie extensions. They were Malcolm Brogdon's case, an extension. Um, but some of the players I'm going to bring up. Are you up around on some of the players that didn't sign some rookie extensions? First off, DeAndre Ayton. I'm under on it. Obviously, I know the questions surrounding him, and does he? Am I sold on him being a max player? Max yet? player is a little. I am much. not sold on him. But in terms of what the market is, again, we have to always compare it to what the market is nah, for man. his caliber of players. I think he deserved it in terms of what his market is, no. not necessarily the production standpoint. You don't get a max contract unless you're, you've are you done this for a couple of seasons, and he's only done it for one. We got to see this more. We got to see what else he can do. And 
I, I wouldn't pay this guy the max. Like, I, I just can't, I can't do that. Again, all of these failed extensions still mean that the player is going to be a restricted free agent. So the team can still re-sign them either way, right? So, again, I understand it from James Jones' perspective as well in terms of him waiting to see another year um, if DeAndre Ng can keep that production up. And then if... Either way, I think he's going to come back to the Suns, in my opinion. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, probably. Uh, next up, we have Miles Bridges. Are you up or under on him and the Hornets not agree? I'm under, man. It's a big mistake by the Hornets because, again, this, the way the guy's playing, he's going to be... He's going to command a lot more money uh, because, again, the, the, he has leverage now and the guy is playing very well and the Hornets are starting to establish a core. They, 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 they should have paid this guy because they could have saved some money. Bro, Miles Bridges being better than I thought he would be, to be yeah, honest. No, right? he's, he came into the league as just another dunker. And he's literally expanded his game to now where he's like an all-around player. I think LaMelo has really helped him too. Having LaMelo ball around. I mean, I think LaMelo has helped everyone on the offensive end, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Next up, Colin Sexton. I'm up on it. Um, I will say Cleveland made the right choice to not paying him. They already have that point guard of the future in Darius Garland. Colin Sexton is is one of those undersized point guards who kind of does not have a starting role in today's league, I think. No offense to Colin Sexton, but I don't think he's going to be that guy um, in today's league. In terms of him being undersized, him not being a great playmaker and strictly being pretty much a, you know, a scoring threat. I think he'll be, he'll become, eventually become one of those like bench gunners. Basically, yeah. That's what I think. And again, that's fine. But in terms of him being a max player, I don't think that's it. So I think Cleveland made the right call. Yeah. Uh, Next up. Are you up or under on Marvin Bagley? I'm up on it. I think the Kings have zero plans to use Marvin Bagley. And they should trade him. Because, again, the guy... It's not like the guy doesn't have potential. He has potential, but he's in Sacramento. Like, probably the biggest dumpster fire for your career you can ever go to. In fairness to Sacramento, Marvin Bagley's also kind of been not great. But let's be real. He's shown potential. His coach has been Luke Walton. So... Like, the guy hasn't been given a fair opportunity. But, again, like, I, I definitely agree why they shouldn't sign him either. Um, but, yeah, the Marvin Bagley is definitely one of them. Mo Bamba is, an, is the next guy. Yeah, I'm up on it, man. Like, Mo Bamba, towards the end of the season last year, he showed a lot of that potential that we want. telling you. Rap song. Yeah. But Get him in. Listen, man. Like, Mo Bamba, he still has time, I think. Uh, and he was always looked at as a development. He was a project, project yeah. But... In terms of him obviously signing a big rookie extension, that was never going to happen, right? Yeah, so, no. again, he can still be retained by the Orlando Magic, and I think they would still love to retain him just because, you know, two, three year, more years, maybe he can be that type of guy that they envision for him to be. And the Magic have time now, but again, now that they have Wendell Carter Jr. That it, throws a monkey wrench it, it. It definitely does, for sure. And the final name that we have on this list is Kevin Knox. Dude, I'm hella up on it. Yo, I thought the guy was out of the league, to be honest with you. I didn't know he was still he was still in the league. But yeah, man, I think this guy's career is done. I think he was one of Phil Jackson's last picks as president of the Knicks. And uh, you can kind of see why. Yeah, like, it's unfortunate, but it Kevin Knox is basically not. It hasn't worked, he, man. He's not an NBA player. Pretty much, man. Uh, but yeah, with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, YouTube. Uh, basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. 
Also, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at uplettern under podcast, facebook.com slash up and under podcast for all the latest updates whenever we post a new episode or reaction to news as they occur. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so. Also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. It's a place where we write blog posts with every single episode. So if you don't have time to listen or watch the full thing, you can read about it on our website. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so. And yeah, man, regular season has kicked off and... Things have been kind of fun. This is going to be a good season, man. It is definitely going to be a good season. But yeah, more season content will be coming very soon, so stay tuned for that. But that concludes this week's episode. We'll see you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy.